0: Hometown History is brought to you by Best Fiends. My favorite movie to watch growing up was White Christmas, and even to this day, it's still a strong classic in my book. Things have come a long way since we were kids. It seems like each year there are new movies and books out that turn into an instant classic. You know what's an instant classic in my book? Best Fiends. If you've never played it before, it's the top-rated puzzle adventure game you can play on your mobile devices. Personally I enjoy a friendly challenge, which is why all of my friends compete with me to see who can stay in the lead. When you connect the game to your social media, you can see where all your friends are, including your family. It's super fun to play too, so I tend to play in my downtime. With Best Fiends the fun never ends, and no exaggeration, there are over 5000 puzzle levels and counting, so if you were worried, you'd get to level 3247 and run out of fun, well, don't be. They always have updates, with more levels and events, so the game is always adding fun new challenges. Download Best Fiends free today, on the Apple App Store, or Google Play. That's friends, without the R, Best Fiends. George Dibborn, who we profiled in our last episode, was a really nice guy and he was easy to like, but I think you're going to love Diogenes. Okay, maybe you won't love him, love him, or even like him very much, but you're going to like him, at least a little, because he's like a funnier, smarter version of your most antisocial impulses, run wild. He wasn't particularly nice, and he lacked Deburn's naive idealism, but he was a genius a legend, a maverick, and also kind of an idiot all at once. You might think of Diogenes as the misfit of all misfits, the godfather of all those rejects who defy the norms of traditional society and put the rest of us on trial for our conventional suburban lifestyles. In contrasted with the earnest, but relatively humorless manifestos of Diburn Diogenes is a breath of fresh air. He was born in Sinope, in modern day Turkey, when it was under Greek control in 412 BC, at a time when the best philosophers were public celebrities. Think of a combination of Kardashian fame and the respect given to a physicist like Stephen Hawking. So it makes sense that when Alexander of Macedonia, also known as Alexander the Great, visited diogenes's final hometown corinth toward the end of his life he sought out the celebrated philosopher the encounter that followed would be one of the more memorable in both men's lives and a bit baffling for alexander who seemed to intimidate pretty much everyone but this rogue corinthian sage before we get to that you should know that the two men had a history diogenes had been captured by Alexander's dad, King Philip II, during a bloody campaign in Greece. Philip had heard rumors that Diogenes was spying for his enemies and confronted the philosopher with charges of espionage that would have warranted his execution. Diogenes responded by simply saying, "'I most certainly am a spy, Philip. I spy on your absence of wisdom and common sense which is the only thing forcing you to go and gamble your kingdom and your life in a single moment. After that, Philip left him alone. Maybe he was convinced no actual spy would talk like this, or maybe he realized Diogenes was too aloof and independent for the intrigue of spycraft. Or maybe kings just have a small soft spot for that kind of bravado. In any event, Diogenes was off the hook, and his next encounter with the Arged would be with Philip's son, the legendary conqueror of worlds, Alexander the Great. Alexander seemed to share his father's soft spot for eccentrics and made it a point to locate Diogenes on his lone trip to his hometown. When the warrior king found the philosopher, he was sleeping outside in the middle of the day. At the time. Alexander was arguably the most powerful man in the world. His kingdom stretched from Africa to India, and throughout his life he won every single battle he ever commanded. His fame and glory have been rivaled by maybe a handful of people in human history. Even today, millennia later, we call him the Great. When he woke the sleeping Corinthian, out of respect for the older man, he asked if there was anything he might do for him with the greatest kingdom in the world at his disposal. Diogenes responded, Yes, you can move about three feet to the left. You're blocking the sunlight. And just in case the king hadn't realized how unimpressed he was with all his wealth and power, Diogenes distracted himself with a nearby pile of human bones instead of paying attention to his famous guest. When Alexander asked what he was doing, Diogenes responded, I am searching for the bones of your father, but cannot distinguish them from those of a slave. The whole episode was a bit jarring, but Alexander was not a petty person. He was a genius too, of a more conventional kind, and greatness recognizes greatness. He quieted the outrage of his servants and said to them, If I were not Alexander, I would want to be Diogenes. To which Diogenes replied, Even if I were Alexander, I would still want to be Diogenes. Diogenes wasn't saying he was the better person. He wanted Alexander to know that his life of poverty made him happier than Alexander's power and prestige ever could. He wanted Alexander to know that all the glory and all the money in the world would never satisfy his deepest longing, would never make him whole. So when Alexander offered him the world, Diogenes essentially declined. And Alexander knew deep down that Diogenes was right, which is why he said what he did. This one exchange goes a long way to framing the philosophy of this singular person. He lived in poverty with no possessions and barely any clothes. He spent most of his life in the streets and lived the life of a slave and a beggar, believing that true happiness and contentment has nothing to do with status or material wealth. A later philosopher, who was a fan of Diogenes, Epictetus, summed up his hero's idea of what it means to be a good philosopher. It is his duty, then, to be able with a loud voice to say like Socrates, Men, to where are you hurrying? What are you doing, wrenches? You seek for prosperity and happiness. Where they are not... And if another shows you where they are, you do not believe him. Why do you seek it in the body? It is not there. In possessions, it is not there. But if you do not believe me, look at Croesus. Look at those who are now rich. With what lamentations their life is filled? In power, it is not there. What do the powerful say? Hear them when they groan. When they grieve, when on account of their glory and splendor, they think that they are more wretched and in greater danger. Is it in royal power? It is not. If it were, Nero would have been happy and Sardanapalus, but neither was Agamemnon happy, though he was a better man than Sardanapalus and Nero. What then is the matter with you? That part of you, whatever it is, has been neglected by you and is corrupted. The part with which we desire, with which we avoid, with which we move toward and move from things. What kind of people are your enemies? Wise or foolish? If they are wise, why do you fight them? If they are fools, why do you care about them? So much of Diogenes' philosophy is refreshing common sense. The things we spend so much of our lives chasing meant nothing to him. Reputation didn't matter to him at all, and in spite of all of that, he appears to have reached a rare level of authentic contentment. But while Alexander claimed to want to be Diogenes, few others would desire that privilege. Diogenes' life was full of hardships and lacked almost all of the material comforts the rest of us require. For many years in Athens, he slept outdoors in a large clay wine jar, and his personal relationships were often strained. His hatred of pretense and fancy philosophizing had a way of putting him at odds with other philosophers. When Plato, arguably the greatest of all philosophers, referred to men as featherless bipeds, diogenes carried a plucked chicken into the center of his famous academy and announced behold i have brought you a man the academy quickly changed its definition of a human being to include the claws with broad flat nails to avoid further mockery plato referred to diogenes simply as socrates gone mad and at times He certainly looked like he had lost his mind. He would wander the streets of Athens, with a lit lamp in the middle of the day, claiming to look for one true human being. He hated the corruption and dishonesty of civilized society, and was always listing off the ways in which people violated and denied their own humanity. Diogenes spent his life making demonstrations of this kind, asking those around him to live more honest and more virtuous lives. He constantly ridiculed the hypocrisies of civilized society and lived out his ideals for all to see. But there was admittedly a downside to all of this free thinking. When a guy is willing to make fun of Plato and stare down Alexander the Great, he's going to do pretty much whatever he wants, wherever he wants, and whenever he wants to do it. So... Diogenes went to the bathroom in the middle of the street and performed every other bodily function you might think of in full view of the horrified public. This is the kind of person who doesn't put on pants in the morning. He walks to the corner store in his underwear, the same way you might walk to your fridge in the middle of the night, strolling out into traffic, scratching his belly, and yawning unself-consciously, as you might do in the comfort of your own home. Except he's not in his own home. He's on Main Street, and he might not be wearing underwear either. Because why bother? Diogenes was also known to urinate on people that ridiculed him, and to defecate literally wherever he happened to be standing when the need arose. If he was in the theater or the marketplace, he simply squatted where he stood, sometimes while continuing a profoundly philosophical conversation. If this image brings to your mind the comparison of a dog, you've just guessed Diogenes' nickname. Diogenes, the dog. And Diogenes actually liked this ludicrous moniker. He happily claimed his doggish behavior, saying, I fawn on those who give me anything. I yelp at those who refuse, and I set my teeth in rascals. In fact, Diogenes' school of philosophy, which he helped found, was known as cynicism, which is rooted in the Greek for dog-like. According to another ancient philosopher, there are four reasons why the cynics are so named. First, because of the indifference of their way of life, for they, like dogs, eat and make love in public, go barefoot, and sleep in tubs and at crossroads. The second reason is that the dog is a shameless animal, and they make a cult of shamelessness, not as being beneath modesty, but as superior to it. The third reason is that the dog is a good guard, and they guard the tenets of their philosophy. The fourth reason is that the dog is a discriminating animal, which can distinguish between its friends and enemies. So do they recognize as friends those who are suited to philosophy and receive them kindly, while those unfitted they drive away, like dogs, by barking at them? I don't know of any record of Diogenes literally barking at people, but I wouldn't put it past him. Even 2,500 years later, He gives off kind of a zany Jim Carrey vibe that makes you think he'd enjoy that a little too much. Paintings of Diogenes actually came to represent him as a dog, a joke he would have appreciated. One painting in particular, called Alexander and Diogenes by Edwin Landseer in 1848, in which both men are represented by dogs, would later become the inspiration. Behind the animated Walt Disney tearjerker, The Lady and the Tramp. In spite of his bizarre behavior, Diogenes continues to inspire free thinkers to this day, with his total renunciation of polite society and suburban norms. And you have to admit, his shameless simplicity and refusal to take himself seriously is attractive. Listen to Epictetus' portrayal of the voice of Diogenes as it comes down to us through the ages. And how is it possible that a man who has nothing, who is naked, houseless, without a hearth, squalid, without a slave, without a city, can pass a life that flows so easily? See, God has sent you a man to show you that it is possible. Look at me, who am without a city, without a house, "'without possessions, without a slave. "'I sleep on the ground. "'I have no wife, no children, no praetorium, "'but only the earth and heavens, and one poor cloak. "'And what do I want? "'I am without sorrow, I am without fear. "'Am I not free? "'Did I ever blame God or a man? "'Did I ever accuse any man? "'Did any of you ever see me with sadness in my eyes?' And how do I meet with those whom you are afraid of and admire? Do not I treat them like slaves? Who, when he sees me, does not think that he sees his king and master?